This podcast contains discussion of mental health. Listener discretion is advised. This is Anthems. Hey, my name is Sean Bradley. I'm a freelance journalist and mental health campaigner, which means I fundraise, write and tweet about my experience, often for charities. I've been thinking a lot lately about how I can feel more deserving of that title, mental health campaigner, a cause I feel ever more deeply for as the world crumbles. I've been furloughed from my part-time job as a fundraiser for the Science Museum, which means I now have more time to create, write stuff I care about and try to grow some vegetables. As I write this, I'm curled up on my sofa in the communal area of my converted warehouse in North London. Disco plays from DJ decks outside in our car park haven and mischief our downstairs neighbour's dog barks into the evening. I'm not alone. I rarely am, especially these days. Since I'm isolating with 11 housemates and one boyfriend, the most privacy I get is in the loo, and I'm so grateful for it. I was born and raised in West Bromwich, you know, that place where Albion play. I studied at the University of Sheffield, lived in Madrid for a bit, graduated and hauled ship to London. I've been here for three years, but I wouldn't call it home. But I wouldn't call West Bromwich home either. I'm split between the two, a splintering of past and present. Home for me then is entirely localised to my little corner of warehouses, a place of acceptance, a swirl of wondrous creatives. A house that, like, actually really did become a home. Your word of the day is foggy. It's foggy. I guess it's more accurate to say I'm foggy, because the sky outside is pillar box blue, dotted with wisp of crisp white clouds. Yet, I've got a cotton wool brain, a fuzzy swirl of incoherence I carry fogginess with me like a faulty magnet that's fused to my skull. I try, but I can't recall a time before fog. It's been there for as long as I can remember. It was there when I cried during mental maths in primary school because the numbers got all jumbled up in my brain. It's there when I can't find the phone that I placed down a minute before when I fall into a Wikipedia wormhole when I expertly stop and drop a pyramid of tasks when I fall before the end of my sentence for the right word to illustrate. What was I saying? It's there when I've wanted to harm myself to deal with the depth of the fuzz. It comes as it pleases to sit itself down and carve out a throne. It isn't afraid of a global pandemic, it's immune to the sudden shock of a crisis. There's no rhyme or reason to its rap on my door. It doesn't care that I'm in lockdown with friends eating my fire fruit and veg. It doesn't care under the flourish of my yoga mat on the bedroom floor. So, who creates fog? When a storm brews up high, who do you blame? When the heavens open up to bring torrents of rain, who do you blame? Do you blame the weatherman or God or some universal force? Me? I blame myself for this foggy forecast, my mind-numbing microclimate. I've attributed it to stupidity, a lack of self-discipline, a sign of my glaring inadequacy. If we want to get scientific, brain fog is formally referred to as cognitive dysfunction, a term that here means an impairment of your ability to think clearly, your reaction time, your memory, your executive functioning ability. This means sometimes I can't finish a thought, I lose things all the time, forget what I'm doing, become so overwhelmed with the whirring of my multi-track mind that I choke into a catatonic stupor. Dr. Google tells me that brain fog means I struggle to make decisions. Now, did I want those shoes in black or did I want them in white? 
Did I want them at all? It says my brain probably feels blocked. Blocked. What does that mean? Am I drain clogged with yesterday's dinner, a show ahead spouting limescale, am I a robot blinking, unable to feel? Blocked. <sighs> huh. It doesn't feel right. My brain isn't a faulty sewage pipe, it's a vibrant mass of matter, an intricate circuit of constantly firing neurons, their glowing Christmas lights snaking around the bristling tree, their distant headlights on the M25, a tangled bunch of magic being pricked and prodded by a drug called Sertraline. An SSRI, the creme de la creme. A little white pill I take each and every day in a vain but valiant attempt to keep the darkness at bay, a shot of serotonin that helps keep me alive. But make no mistake, antidepressants are no magical cure. If Red Bull gives you wings, then searching gives you three, albeit brown, tattered and shot through with moth-eaten holes, flapping some your head breaks through the surface of the water to gulp down the air, sure, they'll do that. Then they'll drop me back down, careering to the ground with an earth-shattering clatter, sunk back into the embrace of the fog, denser now with the weight of medicated numbness. The bittersweet irony of a choice between two evils. They help me get out of bed and not dread the day. They've reduced the frequency of panic attacks, help me re-find a lust for life. But they also permeate my sleep with vivid nightmares of death and despair. They have altered my tear ducts or they all react to cute videos of otters but are silent when I'm afraid of my own head. I either want sex all the time or never at all. I feel sick all the time. My stomach's in a state. I'm tired or I'm agitated. I'm thirsty all the time and two beers send me flying. I'm manic or I'm low. I'm hyper or immobile. The NHS website tells me that sertraline can lower my sodium levels. And low sodium can cause headaches, trouble focusing, memory problems, weakness, seizures, losing your balance and not thinking clearly. <laughs> Fuck. I think back to my unexplained seizure last year and I think, can my lifetime of muddiness be distilled to a simple lack of salt? Or worse, do I feel this way because I take a drug that's meant to make me feel better? that I take only to fill the gaping hole left by incomprehensible therapy time waiting lists. I inadvertently became a slave to Big Pharma because withdrawal is hell. I fear I can't escape its icy box package grip, wondering who I am without that 50 milligrams. Is it the reason I'm boggy or is that too simple an explanation? I'll hold my hands up and say... I don't know what's the illness, the medication, or me. I know I feel clumsy, faulty, and weak. I know I've always had health anxiety, a fall for the Google search. I'm no stranger to self-harm, the toxic relationship in search of short-lived relief from the wearing of pain, choosing the sting of lightning over the suffocation of smog. I know that when the day is bright and the sky is clear, you can't remember what it's like to wade through the cloud at your feet. You can't recall the dullness, the weaved web of confusion, lost in the thick of it, tossing, turning, I can't find my way through the thicket of trees, which way am I aiming? You convince yourself you made it up, fabricated the day that fog forced its way through your brain. Surely the sun has always shined this way. I turn to my boyfriend and ask him, How am I when I'm foggy? You're closed off, he tells me. I can't get through. You're tired and don't want to talk to anyone. Want to shut everything else off. Ugh, I groan. But it goes as quickly as it comes. It's volatile, transient. I've witnessed it on a mountaintop, he tells me. It suddenly enfolded me before evaporating away into nothing, leaving no trace. You wouldn't have known it was there. And how do you know something's clear if it's never been foggy? I like this. Because sometimes I ask myself, 
Is there sun beneath the mist, or is it a trick of the light? Am I naturally this slow, this muddled and dry, or can I blame an ill-fitting drug? Is it right to see depression as something separate to me, or am I merely a product of grim modernity? I'm not sat under a dark cloud, no. I'm gasping beneath a morphing, opaque mass of moisture seeping through the air, obstructing my eyes. I've resided in the fog for long periods of time. And yes, it makes me irritable. There are bouts of anger, bouts of frustration. I will drift off in mid-conversation, overwhelm you with tangents and forget what you told me. Sometimes you can't see me for the glaze in my iris, but I'm trying. I've managed to get a first at university, to have a healthy relationship, to be a published writer just like I always wanted to be. I've managed to stay alive. Sure, having a jumbled up brain can be hard work, but without it, I wouldn't have fallen in love with writing. When I can't catch a thought in my head long enough to understand it, get on words and a page brings me back, back into the light, that sweet, nurturing, beautiful light. This is not a rallying cry of recovery. Note, I'm still mad. You can't hold the light in your hand just hoping it stays. It will leak through the gaps in your fingertips, never yours to keep. But wherever you are, you can always look up at the sky. If it's an impossibly blue blanket of sunshine, drink it in. Absorb it. If it's shrouding grey, don't worry, that fog will clear. Maybe not today, nor tomorrow, but it always has, always will. And when it does, my God, do you notice how clear it is? Foggy. Noun. A thick cloud of tiny water droplets suspended in the atmosphere at or near the Earth's surface, which obscures or restricts visibility. A state or cause of perplexity or confusion. If you've been affected by the themes in this podcast, check out the episode description for information, resources and support lines.